invite you to take your Bibles, and if you would, open them up to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. As you find your place there, an uh, announcement I should have made at the beginning, and I didn't, I'll go ahead and make it now, is at the back uh, of the worship center, there are a couple of small skinny tables back there. Uh, they have some forms on those tables. I wanted to uh, kind of let you know what those forms are for. A couple of months ago, as we were building up the process to vote on our new budget for this year, uh, we made the the decision to make a transition of some of the uh, media platforms that we make available to the church. And so back there on the table, we have a form for you to fill out if you're interested in reading what we're now offering to, to you. Free of charge to you, we've absorbed all the costs within the church budget, But we allow you access now to a couple of things like um, Logos Bible Software, uh, online uh, Bible resource. Uh, It's a phenomenal resource. Uh, Personally, I've been using Logos for uh, 10 to 12 years now uh, for my sermon prep and and message preparations and stuff. And so uh, we can give you free access to that with a little library that is of no cost to you. Uh, we also have uh, something that's called Faith Life TV uh, that's available. Uh, that would be the replacement of what we used to offer of Right Now Media. And, and so anyway, if you're interested in, in seeing these things or having access to them, all you have to do is take the time to fill out the form in, in its entirety, fill it out, leave it behind, and we will give you access to this information and resources. Now, uh, truth be told, a couple of months ago when we made this decision and we started going this direction, we had many people that signed up and were interested. Some of you were so interested that you've yet to log in with the invite that you received two months ago. So, it's a new year. We're starting off fresh. So if you're not using it, or if you haven't created anything, then you, you need to know that you need to start today by filling out one of these, and we'll resend you an invite to have those resources. I think it's a beautiful thing uh, to have at your, at your fingertips. Uh, again, reminder, next week we're diving in. Uh, we're going deep into our, our study through the book of Romans. And so you still have time to get some resources together uh, so that you can begin to study and prepare yourself for this journey that we're going to go on. Now, truth be told, uh, next week, uh, Romans chapter 1, I don't know if this will excite you or discourage you, but I I was thinking, how far will I go? Verses 1 through 7, it's kind of like the introductory part uh, of the whole letter. Uh, And so I've made it so far up to... Uh, the first three words in chapter verse one. So we'll see. I mean, we're going we're we're going all in with this. Now this morning, I'm going to give a message. Uh, it's a challenge to all of us. Uh, one that's called uh, it's a call to serve. Uh, with your Bibles open to John chapter 14, I want you to understand that prior to the crucifixion of our Lord, Jesus had promised and discussed the Holy Spirit with his disciples. In fact, he did so with great detail. In John chapter 14, we see Jesus gives the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'll begin reading in verse number 16. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. 
I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I, I live. You will live also. Verse 20. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you heard is not mine, but the Father who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus is declaring unto his disciples the promise of what's to come, the blessing of receiving the Holy Spirit in their lives. In fact, if you'll turn the page or two, look at chapter 16 of John. In John chapter 16, we begin to see some of the the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse number, oh, we'll start with verse number 5. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. Now concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. And he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Some of the purpose that we just see in this small little section is how when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world, to convict the world of sin, righteousness, judgment. The Holy Spirit will come to guide us in the truth. The Holy Spirit will come to bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ. Now, following His resurrection, Jesus had more to say about the Holy Spirit. Go, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 3. Following His resurrection, this is the scene. He says, To these He also presented Himself alive after His suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, 
and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which, he said, you heard of from me. Uh, What was it that the Father promised? To send the Holy Spirit, the Helper. Uh, So so verse number 6. So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time that you're restoring the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. And then the beautiful promise becomes fulfilled. In Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. And and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. And, And the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each of them was hearing them speak in his own language. From all nations, at that moment, they were beginning to hear the Word of God being told in their own language. And it says they were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And the answer to that question is because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through the, those that were gathered. So the, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost launched the greatest movement this world has ever known that is launching Christianity itself. See, before Pentecost, when, when God called a, a specific person for a specific task, God would provide that person with the abilities, with the resources that they needed in order to fulfill that specific task. God has always equipped His people to do the work of His calling. However, since Pentecost, something beautiful has occurred. There is a great and remarkable difference about how God works in and through our lives. Because now every believer, not just the select few, but every believer is called and gifted by God to serve one another, to minister in this world. See, God expects every believer to be a witness for Jesus Christ. Not only that, God equips every believer to fulfill what He expects from them. I mean, this, by and large, is what helped shape our thinking when we uh, set out to create a mission statement for our church. 
in the midst of everything in 2020, this is something that we can look back with great fondness and appreciation because this is something that we developed and worked through, presented and, and, and adapted within our, our church. And it is a beautiful thing. And so as a refresher, why we exist, what our purpose, our mission as a church, First Kingsland exists to glorify God by making disciples of Jesus Christ through the preaching, teaching, and proclamation of his word. That's part A. Part B is by serving one another in truth, love, and grace. You see, we strongly believe that not only does God expect us to serve, God equips us so that we can fulfill what he expects from us. With that in mind, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. In this letter to the church of Corinth, much like the church today, Paul wrote to remind them that God had given them spiritual gifts. To, and the purpose of those gifts were to equip the people for the work of ministry. But the problem was occurring that instead of using their gifts for ministry, uh, the church, were, they were arguing over their gifts. They, they were debating as to which gifts were essential, which gifts were important, or which gifts were to be desirable. And so Paul seeks to correct that thinking. Because we've got to remember, spiritual gifts are given to us by the grace of God and for the glory of God. It is by God's grace that He gives us a special gift or ability to be used for his glory and for his name. And so look what the scripture has to say about this. Beginning in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start in verse number 4. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all person. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So you see that. There are differences among believers. There are differences in our spiritual giftedness. And those differences aren't things that we should debate and argue over. Those differences are things that we should rejoice in and celebrate because because we are differently gifted, then we can come together as a whole and serve God in a mighty and, and God-glorifying way. I mean, do you see what he's saying here? There's different gifts, but they come from the same Spirit. That's verse 4. There's different ministries, but from the same Jesus. There's different effects, but it's from the same God. So, so no matter our gifts, our service, or our activities, they're all given. Given by the Spirit, by the Lord, and by God. These gifts are not earned. These spiritual gifts are not something that you achieve because of merit. It's not something that you get because you deserve it. Spiritual gifts are given by the grace of God to accomplish His purpose in and through each and every one of our lives. And God knows best 
how to gift his children to meet the needs of this desperate and dying world. Back to chapter 12. I want to zoom in just real briefly there in verse number 6. And there at the end it says, but the same God who works all things in all persons. You know that a spiritual gift is a Holy Spirit-empowered ability that is given to us by God so that we might serve one another. Now, though it's not exhaustive, there are places in Scripture that identifies some spiritual gifts that, that you may be in possession of. There are places that talk about exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, there's service, there's teaching, there's administration, discernment, knowledge, wisdom. May you know that complaining and sarcasm are not among the spiritual gifts. Anyway, God gives each and every one of His children at least one, sometimes more than one, gift or ability that is to be used for His glory. And it's God. He's the one that that identifies, selects, and gives us the gift that He desires for us to have. And this passage tells us that God is the one that empowers us to use that spiritual gift for His glory. It's important to know that when you think about spiritual gifts and ministries and, and, and what you might do to serve one another, it's important not to look at it as some type of competition where you have to try to uh, display this gift or this calling in, in, in a like manner compared to somebody else. Like spiritual gifts uh, are not anything that we apply for. right? I, I say that. You don't have to apply for it. You don't have to build... Uh, uh, a support team uh, that will uh, petition on your behalf so that you can receive a certain spiritual gift. That's not how it works. There's no requesting. There's no petitioning. There's no need to do a, a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter campaign so that you can get a special spiritual gift of your choosing because that's not how it works. God knows best how to equip and empower His children to carry out the ministry that He desires from each and every one of us. So God, in His infinite wisdom, He knew exactly which gifts are best suited for you. Therefore, we don't have to waste our time being jealous of the gifts of other people. Instead of being jealous of their gifts, we need to spend our time developing and strengthening the gift that God has given to us. Just think about it. Each one of his children, as a recipient of the Holy Spirit, God has blessed us. God has empowered us. God has entrusted us with some unique thing that we get to do in service to him and in service to others that will bring him honor and glory. That's a great privilege. And God didn't have to do that. In fact, one would look at that plan and strategy and think, why in the world would God do that? Because we have a tendency to mess things up. We're imperfect. We, we kind of 
you know, we have good days and bad days. Surely there could have been a better way. But no, God says, no, this is His plan, His purpose. That He is going to give His children His Spirit. And with the giving of His Spirit, He's going to empower and entrust and bless us with some ability, some ministry that we're to be a part of to bring honor and glory unto Him. Let's keep going in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Let's pick up in verse number, uh, verse number 11. Uh, but, the, but one and the same Spirit work all these things, distributing each one individually just as He wills. Then it says, For even as the body is one, it yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is for this reason any the less a part of the body? I mean, it, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole uh, were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desires. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so compared the body, I'm sorry, composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the members which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with, with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. When I think about this church and how we are gathered and how God has brought us to this place at this particular time in history. I look back at verse number 18. That God has placed the members, each one of us, in the body, just as He desires. And it's not by accident that we are here. God has brought us all together for a divine purpose. And God wants to work in and through all of our lives so that we might have a profound impact upon, his, upon the kingdom of God and ultimately for His glory. Paul writes about this elsewhere too. Turn with me to, to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. 
The, the language is going to sound very similar to what we just read in 1 Corinthians. In Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse number 3, he says, For though the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. There's the emphasis. We have gifts, we have gifts that differ one from another. But each of us are to exercise those spiritual gifts accordingly. So, so here's a, a difficult thing for us to grasp, and that's why we need Scripture to guide us in that. And, and the difficult thing to grasp is that your gift was given to you, but not for you. It wasn't given to you for you. The Bible teaches that spiritual gifts were given to us for the benefit of others. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7, it says that these gifts were for the common good. And so your gift was given to you, but for the benefit of someone else. They weren't given for you and for your enjoyment. No, they were given for you to serve others, for the benefit of others. We have differing gifts because we need each other. And we need each other to be walking and serving in the giftedness that God has blessed you with. Romans 12 verse 5 takes it so far as to say that we are members one of another. Meaning that each member belongs to all the other members which means that your gifts aren't really yours. They belong to me. My gifts aren't mine. <laughs> they belong to you. God has made the DNA of this church to be supernaturally infused with the spiritual giftedness of all of us. How are you using that gift? How are you developing and strengthening the gift that God has given to you. It is without question. The scriptures say that as his child, that he has blessed you with the spiritual gift to be used for his glory in serving one another. Truth of the matter, God doesn't need any of us. But yet he chooses to use us. Not only does he choose to use us, he equips us to be used by Him. So I, I strongly believe that your family needs you to understand this and, and to walk in this truth. This church needs you to understand this reality and walk in the truth. Our neighborhood, this community needs you. Not because they need you personally, it's because they need what God is going to do in and through you as you walk in obedience unto Him. 
So God in His divine wisdom and His infinite plan decided long ago that He would empower His children with His Spirit so that they might serve one another in love. The whole point of today's message is to help us understand what God expects from us as a child of God. And I'll be as clear as I can. God expects you to serve. He expects all of us to serve. Not only does He expect us to serve, He equips us with an ability to fulfill the expectations that He has from us. All of His children, in one degree or another, possess at least one spiritual gift, Holy Spirit infused activity of some kind that is to be used for the glory of God. And can you imagine with me just a little bit, right? Can you imagine what this church would look like if all of its members were faithfully serving in their spiritual giftedness? Can you imagine what that would look like? Could you imagine what this community would be like when the church embraces God's calling upon their lives and walk in faithfulness and honor and love of the Father? Can you imagine? Just a little bit. The the radical change that would happen among us as we begin to celebrate with one another, as we begin to, to recognize our differences, as we begin to release people to serve in a ministry based upon their spiritual gifts. And sometimes what that's going to mean with the church of our size is that when people begin to walk in faithfulness to their spiritual gifts, that we will be creating new ministries and new opportunities based upon your spiritual giftedness. Like, well, there, there are a, a few fundamental things that we will hold fast to. The preaching and teaching of the Word of God, absolutely. The, the, the teaching of God's Word to our, to our babies, to our children, to our students, to our young adults, middle adults, senior adults. We will not sacrifice that. But there are other ministries out there that we should be doing now, but we're not doing them. Because one, we don't know what those ministries are. Because two, we need you to understand what God's called you to do. And may you know that we won't just force you to try to serve in an area that we define for you. We believe that we exist as your leadership and your staff and the elders. That we we, we believe that, that, that we exist so that we can help you to find and to fulfill the ministry that God has given unto you. So to be clear, the expectation that we would have as a church is that every member is a minister. And every member will serve. Will serve in some capacity, some way. We're asking you to prayerfully consider what your service is how you plan to use the gift that God has given to you. Sometimes that happens within a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Sometimes that ministry happens outside of the church, outside of what's been in place. Like, we get that, right? But every child of God has been given 
some unique thing that is to be used for his glory and for his honor. As you came in this morning, there were papers all in the pews or on the chairs and stuff like that. And the first side of that paper is just a summary of the message, some of the, the, the thoughts. On the back side of that paper is uh, we went through, we identified uh, some current needs that we have identified we feel strongly that this is something that we're to be offering, but we also recognize that we're lacking certain volunteers and, and ministers to help make that a reality. So we have listed some opportunities on the back. We want you to take those papers home with you, to look over them, to pray over them, and to give serious consideration as to how you will serve this year. I jokingly say it a lot, but I really do mean it. When someone says, well, how long are we expected to serve? And the answer is, until God calls you home. That's the answer. In fact, service really doesn't end at that point. It just transitions into something different. That's another message for another day. But, but in this world, in this life, we serve as long as we draw breath. Because that's what God expects from us as his children. So you have uh, some papers there. Uh, we ask that you would uh, prayerfully respond to today's message. Review upon it. Reflect upon it. Listen, you might feel God's calling you to serve in an area that we don't even have on that piece of paper. Great. Write it in. Write it in and we'll follow up with you. We'll, we'll talk to you about it. And we see, we'll see what we can do to help make sure that that ministry happens in this church. But what we do, we believe that God has empowered you, has gifted you, has equipped you to serve. And so we want to walk alongside you and help you to fulfill the ministry that God's placed upon you. And there is something for all of us. All of us. Final thought, and then I'll be done. The thought is, why did God give you to this church? Did you think about that? Why did God give you to this church? A lot of times people look at churches and they choose churches based upon what that church has to offer them. That's the wrong question. That's the wrong question. Maybe we should ask ourselves, why did this community of believers, why have we been blessed with the gift of you? What's your gift? What's your service? Are you serving him now? Will you serve him today? Take these papers home. Pray over them. Seek us out. We'll talk with you. We'll encourage you in any way that we can. But we do believe that as members of the body of Christ, that members are ministry, that we're going to serve together. And serving together, we're going to be patient with each other. We're going to love on each other. We're going to encourage each other, and we're going to make a difference. We're going to make a difference in this church, in our neighborhood, and in this community because we are in a world of hurt. We're hurting. You can see it all around us, friends. So much turmoil, angst, frustration, distrust. Now is not the time for the church to be silent. Now is the time for the church to demonstrate the love of God, the grace of God, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.
I am very mindful that this week enters into a very difficult week for our nation. I would call and encourage you all to be in deep prayer for our nation. New Congress gets set today. That, 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 that begins. We've got elections on Tuesday. Electoral college certification on Wednesday. There is a potential for a, a, a nation of unrest, and I have no idea how this will play out this week. I do know that God is sovereign in and through all things. And so as we pray for his will to be done, we need to trust him and how his will gets accomplished. So let's not be laxed in our prayers this week. Let's join our prayers together and let's see what God's going to do, not only in our nation, but in this church. I, I know that some people are gathering after the service today uh, to specifically pray for our nation. If you want to be a part of that prayer time, uh, down in the fellowship hall, is correct? Yep, out those doors, down the hall in our fellowship hall, there'll be a prayer gathering immediately following this service. With that being said, I want to close this with a word of prayer. I want to end it with prayer. And Father, I thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for the beautiful gift of this church and this community. God, help us to to, to long to serve you, Father. Help us to recognize that you have gifted us with something that is to be used in service to others for your glory. So God, help us all to prayerfully consider what that gifting is and how we'll exercise that gift within this body. God, I pray that as we leave this place that we would be encouraged, that we would have a longing to to study your word, to know your word, and to rightly apply your word to our hearts and lives. So God, I ask that you would be with us today. Be with us in our conversations. Help us through our words and through our actions display your grace and your love. Help us to be messengers of the gospel of Christ. Greatest freedom that we can ever find is found only through Jesus, our Lord. So God, help those that know that truth and give them the boldness to proclaim that truth so that others might enter into a right relationship with you. So be with us as we go this day. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. See you next time, church.